So the most fundamental thing you're looking for your first hire is that ability to be agile. As part of your hiring process, you want to have some processes that are like almost asking them, this is what has come back as data from this experiment that we did. How would you move forward on this? That is the most important fundamental skill. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Market Mentors podcast. I'm Matt Dodgson, co-founder of Market Recruitment, and we connect B2B tech and SaaS businesses with marketers to help them grow. And this week, we're joined by Kartik Krishnan. Kartik is such a passionate guy and has a wealth of experience in helping startups grow, particularly during his time working at Founders Factory, but also during his time working in growth, digital, and demand gen roles for high-growth B2B tech businesses. Enjoy. So welcome to the Market Mentors podcast, Kartik. Hi, thanks for having me, man. No worries, pleasure. So before we dig into this topic, I'd love to know what your relationship is with helping startups scale. Yeah, basically I started my career at Google, which you wouldn't think of it as a startup. It would be a complete stretch to use that term now. But when I joined, it was was already about 20,000 people probably, but there was a bit of a startup vibe to it, right? There was a lot of like, we're going to test and iterate and we don't know all the answers. We're trying to work this out. What is our sales process and stuff? So now when I look back, I see some stuff that was like, ah, I see where you were trying to figure out what is the level of support that you need to provide. So it's ironic that even a Google at 20,000 people didn't know all the answers. But then my real love affair with startups began probably... Through my MBA, I did a couple of internships, worked with some startups to support them through their journey as part of my MBA and part of the courses. But I realized that I'm lucky that I can work with smaller stage companies where I can really influence the business, work with the leadership team and things like that. There's less processes in place. So you kind of come in and have to build the processes, which has its pros and cons. So if you want more standard day to day, then you probably don't want to join a startup. But if you want to have dynamism and lots of chop and change, then it's great. And then I found my way to on Fido. And then I think I'll just quickly jump across to Founders Factory, which was my moment of working with lots of different startups, helping all sorts of founders from different types of industries and verticals scale from initial product market fit. So all of that is when I've been really drawn into the startup world. And I feel like I'm an integral part of the London startup scene in some ways in that regard. Yeah, nice. And it's a nice balance between sort of working for a single business, as well as working for lots of different business, almost like as a consultant Mm. with what you were doing at Founders Factory. But I mean, from your perspective, having sort of talked to a lot of those startups, why do you think it's so important for them to use marketing to help them scale? All businesses need to have marketing. And by that, I mean, someone whose day job it is to take the message of the company and take it to a much wider audience than just your pipeline, B2B, B2C, you know, like the ones who are just about ready to buy, Hmm. sales will probably handle that. The founders will hopefully get them on board in the early days or sales teams will manage and customer success will make them stay and be happy. But you very soon need to be thinking about what about the next quarter of people who are not aware of my solution, who don't know that this is a problem, don't realize how they can solve it. I need to be able to educate, inspire, inform them so that they come along and can become future buyers, right? And so that's why it becomes so critical that someone is tasked with this role pretty soon after you start. And it's so many different segments, right? So you'll have to be constantly doing this. So that's why it becomes not just a one-off exercise, leave it and be done with it. It keeps repeating itself. You have to keep going through those cycles of educating new people, informing new people and bringing them on that journey. 
Fair enough. And you say sort of pretty much at the start then. I mean, at what point do you think a startup should start thinking about hiring a marketer or actually hiring a marketer? Do you think there's a single point or? Everyone wants a guideline benchmark on this. So by the time your revenue is in the five figure region, so about 10K pounds here I'm talking about, you will probably need someone pretty much thinking about this full-time. And certainly by the time it's in six figures, because suppose you're an enterprise sales business and you get a huge client and that's great. You manage to lock them in. There'll already be things that you want to be doing to get the next one. And there'll already be lots you can be doing with that existing customer to get them to help you educate the next audience and make sure they're as entrenched into the business and they're showcasing that to other people, right? Hmm. It's already good value add, even if you have brought in your first two, three customers just with the sales motion. As soon as you're moving on to, no, I need to scale this beyond that, marketing is your ally. And even before that five-figure mark that I mentioned, you probably want to have some sort of support mechanism on the marketing side. So you'd want to be talking to someone who understands marketing or growth. And that's not going to be hard because I'm sure everyone in their network has someone. And hopefully you've got someone who's like friendly enough to say, okay, whatever advice they can bring in terms of like maybe the positioning, maybe some new concepts in terms of new channels or new ways of doing things that they can tell you about or at least introduce you to, you should solicit that advice. That's what founders have to do, right? They have to leverage their network usually. Yeah. You start to think about that full-time hire when you are really needing to do this repeatedly. You hear stories about HubSpot hiring marketeers even before they've sort of gone to market to kind of put the message out and start to build that brand. An unusual way of doing things, I guess. HubSpot has obviously raised a fair bit of money compared to most traditional startups, so slightly different. That's exactly actually what we were doing at Founders Factory, right? Because we came up with a business idea concept when we were incubating a business. And then you can get a lot of signals about it with marketing know-how, marketing knowledge. That is to say, you know, we're lucky we're living in a world where audiences can be targeted quite specifically with quite a lot of efficiency. You don't need to do a huge campaign to do this. You spin up some Facebook or LinkedIn ads and stuff, and you might be talking to the right audience, getting their feel for, I don't even have a product yet, but how are they engaging with this? Is this even the right positioning? Is this the concept that is going to resonate with them? So absolutely, even before you end up having your first product, you might, I think in this case, get a consultant or in our case, that was an accelerator's services for you that you leveraged and a founder was able to understand. My chances of going to market well will be optimized by virtue of all these learnings that have already come in because this person has put these ads out there and seen the traction, seen what people are wanting. Yeah, the power of a landing page. Is somebody prepared to give their email address for the idea that I've got on that landing page? So uh, yeah, I hear that. On the full-time side then, let's say a startup's got to that point where they need a full-time marketeer in the business then. What sort of marketeer do you think they should hire at that point? I think the most fundamental thing here is, so you won't necessarily know your channels. You won't necessarily know your long-term, this is my audience, this is who I want. Maybe you have some inklings, maybe you have a good gut feeling, fine. So the most fundamental thing you're looking for your first hire is that ability to be agile. As part of your hiring process, you want to have some processes that are like almost asking them, this is what has come back as data from this experiment that we did. How would you move forward on this? That is the most important fundamental skill. They might be able to tell you, this is what I've already done in this business and therefore I'm pretty certain it'll work. Great. That's amazing. Great. You're bringing that knowledge. You uplift our ability to do well in that one particular channel or two channels really well. 
but still very fundamental is you're able to do that in our new target market. You're able to do that in the specific geography we're targeting. You're able to understand the nuances and how to grab attention in this ever more and more saturated world, you know? Hmm. That test and trade mentality is non-negotiable. You're almost describing a T-shaped marketeer then, are you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the T-shaped concept comes down to the notion that they should have more than one skill set, right? And that is absolutely true. You can't afford to be hiring someone who's only good at paid marketing because unless that's your big bet, why would you limit yourself to that? They need to be able to change that landing page as we discussed. They need to be able to set up some emails to go alongside some of those paid marketing campaigns, right? You need someone who's able to manage all that process in the back end, some little bit of marketing operations, web analytics knowledge. That's all the kind of stuff that they should be bringing to the table. But even more important than that is that concept that I don't know my audience really well. I will not go into this saying this is the absolute message that will always be first front and center. The person who says this is the website and this is the tagline I'll have for the next year. That is not a fit for you because you will be iterating on it. You should be iterating on it very frequently, right? So that's what I was going for. Yeah. And I think we've discussed this notion of product marketers. What I would say to that is in your early stages, good founders have a problem that they've identified and a solution, right? Hmm. They should at least be able to do some basic articulation of that problem solution fit. If you can't, then it's an uphill battle for you to be able to sell this business. How are you going to convince investors to invest in you, right? So you should be able to do that. And your investment deck can become your first bit of product marketing, essentially. You've sold that vision. You have an idea of what you're trying to achieve and how you can move the needle in the world, how you can bring a new solution to the market. That's your product marketing. Nowadays, of course, product marketers don't just limit themselves to doing that. A lot of them produce the landing pages, distribute as well. Great. So that's essentially a T-shaped product marketer, right? But I would say don't overemphasize on hiring someone who's going to come in with all that strategic knowledge at that moment in time, who's going to be the person who's going to go around looking across the industry and across all your competitor set to know how to position. That should come from the founders. You'd rather get someone who's putting the message out there, getting the signals back and telling you this seems to be resonating. This didn't resonate, not because the message is wrong, but because we didn't capture our audience at the right time. There's a whole bit of timing and stuff as well that comes into this, right? Yeah. If you're selling B2B, they're not ready to buy it, but at least we got the right kind of engagement and maybe there's another set of segment that will be ready to buy. Great, let's find that. So the person who's willing to keep trying new things and keep shifting the way of messaging, but also how it's distributed is your perfect first hire, I think. Yeah, an agile person, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? And you've touched on it a little bit there, but I mean, if this marketeer joined a business, what are some of the activities that you would get them to do in the short term, the first few months of a new marketer in a startup then? It'll be a balance of some short-term wins versus some long-term strategic bets that they're thinking about, at least, even if they're not deploying on them yet. So probably a founder will have a sense of like what worked for them the first couple of times. What content can we produce on the back of that? What do we want to get into some certain channels? Can we try some LinkedIn ads on the back of it? Mm. Obviously, when I bring in LinkedIn, I'm starting to show my B2B mindset there. But you know what I mean, right? Like there's going to be some low-hanging fruit that the founder already can bet on great, let's build on that, let's optimize it. That should be the first starting point. Then probably also there'll be some, look, our website was done really quickly. It was not really thought through. Let's set about rethinking it. Let's do a bit more work with whatever we're learning as well to rethink and realign and reposition our website and reposition, therefore, the front of store. Mm. Website is basically your store offering, if you think in a bricks and mortar way. Mm. And then simultaneously, they'll also be thinking about, well, I'm getting all this data in. 
you know, it's data. It's not necessarily as a trend. It's not necessarily knowledge. It's wisdom. You know, if you think about it, there's that, it's called the knowledge triangle. You have to go up the hierarchies of it, right? Yeah. There's this random noise coming at you. Some of it becomes useful data. You have to take out the trends and the patterns and then turn it into wisdom. That's the ultimate aim. So you need someone who's going to be able to structure that. And therefore, this person should possibly also be looking at either doing it themselves or starting the process of getting the web analytics, getting the digital signals at least quantified as best as possible, you know, Hmm. because it's going to be really handy in the future if you have a baseline of this is what we tried, this is what we achieved then versus, yeah, we tried this. It was amazingly successful, but we didn't actually even like write up how the outcomes came up and we didn't really record that. Hmm. That is you stabbing yourself in the foot a little bit. You might have achieved great marketing success there, but is it repeatable? Is it going to happen for you next year and the year after? That comes from standardizing and systemizing. And so to answer your question again in a shorter form, maybe (laughs) some short-term bets, some long-term thinking, which is more for big picture, how we're going to move the needle on the industry and how we're going to find new markets like this. And then a baseline of data aggregation, keeping track of the experiments that needs to all be happening kind of simultaneously. Makes sense. And would you also advocate for marketeers in this particular setup then to actually speak to customers, speak to people that have perhaps come through that sales funnel that haven't bought, just to get a bit of an idea. And you're kind of touching, I guess, on what a product marketeer or a customer success person might do in a bigger organization, how beneficial do you think that would be? The more you're able to speak to people, the better. You're going to get more signals. You're going to hear more from the industry, from the people who matter, their buyers, for sure. However, specifically talking in a B2B context, I think this is a moment also to start the feedback loops happening within your team. You could go out and ask the customers the questions directly, sure. But I mean, the sales guys will want to speak to these guys' prospects, or even if they've closed lost, they'll still want to keep a relationship. So the sales guys are probably going to be closest. And then I found this product need to speak to those people, right? They want to understand why didn't they buy and things. And they're probably going to be able to extract more things in terms of like the overarching, what they were looking to get out of this, how do they position the product, things like that. So I would say probably the marketer should not be front of line to speak to the customer. It would be as valuable or better for the business in the long run if the sales guys and the product guys get you the insights that actually influences your marketing without you being the one who's doing it. So that's a bit of a controversial view. Just to qualify, just to say that like if someone has come on board as a customer and you are trying to get a case study out of them, of course, that must be a marketer front and center because they're the ones who are going to extract the best sound bites and the ones that they're going to splash across LinkedIn and all across their content. Yeah. But if it's anyone else, if you're just trying to glean lessons, I think it's more scalable if someone else does a lot of the gleaning for you and you're extracting out of your CRM, you know, that's really scalable because then you don't get insights from five prospects, but possibly 50, 100. And that's much better than the one customer or 10 customers you could speak to. Makes sense. And I know CRM and sort of tech is one of your passions, but How important is it, do you think, that this marketeer selects the right tool early on? Or is it more just important to get something in place that kind of does the job well enough? I will sadden some of my CRM peddling friends here and say, things can get costly really fast, right? You've heard the expression, sales force is like a Ferrari. You don't need a Ferrari when you're just starting out and you're going at the speed of like a horse-drawn carriage will do what you need to do. The reason why there are so many MarTech products probably out there as well is switching costs are not that high. You can switch between things. So it's more important to get something in place, actually something that is used and something that you understand the value add of 
rather than having a whole suite of services or having the best in class thing. Mm. I would much rather, and I've done this before with my budget, invest heavily on people, get the best in class experimenter who's going to bring me these data points and have that collaborative mindset and all of those pieces, then have that best in class tool. I'm sorry to all my agency and software friends who think that they can sell into a small startup and they'll be in forever. No, I think the realities are it's dynamic. Any software has to keep proving its value, right? They have to show their reason for retention. And at some point, you will upgrade. I've said this before in terms of CRM. Spreadsheets are your friend to start with. No jokes about it. You can almost do most things in the very early stages before you're like five figures of revenue. You can do it with a spreadsheet. Then you might start to have a CRM that does only the sales management side. Then you bring in the marketing automation pieces. And only after a while do you need it all singing, all dancing, because some of the feature set will be beyond your usage and your actual prioritization. You do not want to be spending your time on it at that point. So you'd rather not necessarily have those features even. Makes sense. What are your tools of choice? What do you tend to sort of use as a sort of very early stage startup? Perhaps just if you were going in as a marketeer at the start, are there any particular tools that you like? Are we talking largely to a B2B? Yeah, very much so. Okay. I think a sales CRM is critical for you because B2B, you're going to be selling, you're going to get those nuanced conversations that you want to have recorded. You want to set up a process for this to be repeatable and marketing will glean so many lessons out of it. That's what's resonating when you're trying to sell. Let's turn that into content. Let's turn that into something at the top of the funnel. For anyone who is not watching the video, I'm doing this whole dance thing where I'm showing the middle of the funnel and the top of the funnel. (laughs) So just imagine me doing that. So tools of choice, a lot can be done with a spreadsheet. But you want to start having a system of record for emails. You want to have a system of record for storing your data in a way that has timestamps, let's say. It has user stamps because you want to be able to tie it back to, okay, that person spoke to this person. Not for reasons of, hey, you did this bad thing, but more like you spoke to the client. How did it actually pan out? Or accountability of who is going to speak to them next, you know, for those reasons. Mm. I would say Pipedrive is really good as a quick, lightweight sales CRM. HubSpot is the next level up where it comes in with the marketing features fairly baked in, or at least will very keenly try to get you from using just the free CRM to using the sales CRM part. And of course, the marketing CRM piece, that's their bread and butter. Think about your blogging and CMS platform fairly clearly because there's always more and more tools and there's different things you might want to do with it. If you are someone who's going to need to be on multiple devices and pretty soon, then probably you need to think about a headless CMS versus if you are probably going to have your users interact with you just on mobile and desktop web browsers, then maybe you can afford to just have a more simplistic thing, a more out-of-the-box thing. Or if you're actually going to target a very specific community-led content distribution method, then you might need to be deploying with something like Intercom or something that even helps you curate that community pretty quickly. Those are the kind of choices you'll want to go through. And those are pretty much your first two, three tool sets. Beyond that, your paid marketing, your email marketing, there's so many choices and they're always with uh, paid. It's all self-serve. You pay for what you get. With email marketing, many tools are month to month and they're about 10, 15, 20 quid to start with. So you're not really breaking the bank to even try and shift between them. Well, we've all seen that image, haven't we? I think it's Scott Brinker's image of all the MarTech tools. It's a pretty crowded marketplace. We've kind of been talking more about startups generally at the moment then. How do you think the approach would change, say, for instance, if you're looking at a business that's more product-led versus perhaps at the other end of the scale than enterprise-led? 
So if you're enterprise-led, I think your sales CRM and sales enablement toolkit becomes your most critical part, right? Because you're leading with sales. I don't think there's many enterprise sales that can happen as just product-led, right? So your sales team are your go-to market people, and you have to enable them. You want to make sure that their you know, processes are tracked. And indeed, one of my new propositions here is even with basic sales emails, try and get it into some kind of system so that there is a regularity to it. It achieves two things. One, there's a regularity so that you can be reliant that there will be a some amount of emails, some amount of touch points that continue to happen. But more importantly, it allows for iterations. Otherwise, too many conversations I've had is, oh, in that case, we did something one-off for that customer versus this customer did something different. Great, might've worked even, but look, I need to scale this, so I want to do this repeatedly. So let's build a framework, keep it as flexible, work with your sales team, have personalization elements in it, but then let's iterate on it. So that's what I would do in enterprise sales. On the other end of the spectrum, when you talk about product-led or self-service products that you know can sell themselves a little bit, you don't need a sales motion, then very important that you have marketing automation working really well because you will have to nudge them. You will need to have good tie-ins with customer success in that situation because Whatever tickets are being generated need to be resolved. Whatever human touches there are, you have to optimize for it. You have to make them as smooth and as brilliant as possible. You'll want some toolkit that helps you look inside the product, whether it's something like a hot jar heat mapping software, crazy egg, that kind of thing, or whether it's even intercom, as I mentioned before, that's inside the product in case they want to speak to someone. Again, that ties to the customer success pieces. So on one side, sales enablement side of things. On one side, it's like, how are these people interacting with my product? How can I smoothen their journey to understanding what my product can deliver to them as value? How can I continue to give them value through this self-service offering? Perfect. Sounds good. Now, going back to our marketeer, imagine our marketeer sort of been in there for six months. They've been focusing on these quick wins that you talk about. Yeah. You also then mentioned earlier on about some longer plays. What do you think some of the longer plays should be then to sort of help these startups scale? This is one of the biggest tricks that I think happens in the startup world. Most other businesses, you will be doing something that you can continue to do for a year or two years and probably hasn't had too much change needed to it. Whereas in a startup, it's quite possible if you've been as successful as you hope in six months time, those quick wins are panning out, the revenue has gone up. Then six months in, you are doing two things probably differently. You are one, starting to do less of the non-scalable stuff, looking to really do things that scale. So less of, oh, we can scramble and win this client some way or the other and we'll make it work to now we might actually say, no, we can't sell to you because of X, Y, Z reasons. We're not the best fit for you. And the other thing you'll be doing a little differently is you'll be dealing with so many people that you will need to have systems and processes in place to extract information in ways that you hadn't before. You can't be talking about one-to-one clients. I mean, I even said, don't be talking to a single client early days already. But at this stage, certainly you need to be getting data at a meta level. You know, you need to be seeing the product led. Okay, what are the 50 interactions that are the most important? Where is the drop off? Rather than let's zoom into that one guy who had a really bad experience because that's not scalable at that stage. And similarly, on this enterprise side of things, if you're supporting, hopefully now a team of a couple of salespeople and things like that, you need to aggregate their insights and start to do things in a systematic way. So you're doing things that do scale now. You're trying to do things with systems and processes, as I said. Maybe the third piece here is that you're already starting to think about hiring a team now. So you're also starting to do this thing that is, I owned and did everything. Now I hand over things. 
Ideally, the person who comes in is also such a channel expert that there's complete clear reasons to hand over most things to them. But in some cases, even if you had a tie into that channel, that becomes a trick of can you hand over things and say, okay, I'm going to let you run with it. But these are the key things that you need to drive for. These are the signals I'm looking for. If you can set that up, that's how you start to build a team, in my opinion. Perfect. Sounds good. And you've obviously been on the front line a fair bit. What would you say perhaps are sort of two or three of the main reasons that startups fail with their marketing? Because, you know, from our perspective, we do see a few startups that come to us and they're sort of scratching their head thinking, do you know what, we've hired a marketeer, but it hasn't worked. So any tips for them? This is where, again, there's the trade-off between you're hiring someone because you can only afford someone junior versus someone more senior. So if it's someone more senior, what they should be doing is setting some expectations, setting a clear goal. That is aligned, of course, in tandem with the leadership to say that this is what I think can be achieved. This is how I intend to get there. These are the levers I intend to pull. So they will not have a rigorous plan, but they'll have some sort of plan about the basic things that will move the needle for your business. That's the challenger. If you hire someone more junior, expect to be doing the KPIs and stuff for them and not with them necessarily. Mm. And if it's someone more senior, it's probably with them. Of course, if it's someone really senior, then you can probably afford to just hand over reins and let them run with it. Then the other piece is for the marketer, I think the challenge then becomes proving the value. In sales, it's so clear cut, right? You're getting revenue or you're not. In product, it's also fairly clear cut. Are users using the features that you built? Are users interacting well with this product? Are they retaining? Clear cut. But in marketing, it can be a case of like, we're getting revenue, but we could have got more. Or we're getting revenue, we should have got it for cheaper. (laughs) We're getting revenue, but we're not retaining them. It all becomes a marketer's problem. So I would say then that's where, even if it's a junior person, I'm challenging all of them at this moment to definitely be able to say, look, this is what I was trying to achieve from this. This is not a campaign that was definitely going to get us 1 million pounds of revenue day after tomorrow. I'm sure the founder also understands this. They can't have an unrealistic expectation of a junior marketer really driving all that. But they'll say, these are my bets. This is what I want to do. And this is how it'll pan out in three to four to six months. Okay. And in the meantime, there will be these amount of leads that might come in. This is the amount of spend that I foresee. Any marketer has been four or five years will be able to get you some answers like that. The other challenge that marketers, I think, uniquely have is that everyone's got a view and an opinion on what is happening in the marketing department. Why are you prioritizing this? Why isn't the website being traded? Well, I was doing all this sales enablement stuff. You know, you asked me to start on that or that was a clear cut thing that I thought was going to be low hanging fruit. So you have to, therefore, I think, communicate, communicate and over communicate. And you need to do it in ways that gets at least the key stakeholders bought in and not just once, but repeatedly. You might have to realign six months in, you will have to realign 12 months in, etc. Hopefully everyone's tied in on it and they're able to see what you're trying to achieve. Actually, forget six months, probably quarter on quarter in a startup, maybe week on week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I saw a quote today on LinkedIn that said the best marketeers are people that haven't been marketeers before. That would definitely tie into what you said. Look, this has been an absolutely fascinating chat, Kartik. You know, I believe that startup marketeers have one of the hardest jobs, I'd say, out there. They're juggling so many different things. And it's really been awesome to sort of dig into your perspective on things. So thank you very much for giving up your time for us. Hopefully this leads to some startups hiring good marketers, but also coaching them, understanding their pain and challenges. As you said, you'll be placing a lot of marketers. Make sure that the founders are able to give them a helping hand because 
Then what you'll achieve, I think, more than any other hire is you'll hopefully get someone who is able to take you through the cycles of you've challenged and succeeded in one market versus the second market versus the third market. And that is what leads to you being a really scalable disruptor as opposed to we manage to upend one market and not the others. And I'm doing this because I love disruption. I think that the world needs more dynamism and that's what's in it for me. So if you're ever looking for some advice on growth marketing and stuff like that, and particularly in the B2B space, give me a little shout on LinkedIn. I'm happy to help. You're an absolute superstar. Thank you very much. Always. So that's a wrap for another episode. Thanks very much for listening. You can find me, Matt Dodgson, on LinkedIn. You can find our business, market-recruitment.co.uk. You can subscribe to this podcast through all the usual channels. If you'd enjoyed this episode, then please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it and it will support the channel going forward. Thanks for listening.